When we hear about God being sovereign, sometimes that can sound like he's just detached and he's like this masterful chess player and, and we're just these pawns in his hand. But he, he's the God who comes in the flesh and who weeps with those who are brokenhearted. So he's not some just some detached spectator. He's, he's there with us and he promises to be with us through everything. From Living Word Church, you're listening to the Living the Word podcast, encouraging you to walk steadfastly in your Christian faith. Welcome back to another episode of Living the Word podcast, where we seek to love the Lord with all of our hearts, our souls, and our tetder. Our tetder. Right? Yeah. Cajun term there. Deep South Louisiana. Can you define what tetder means? For I have no name? idea. No. You don't know what tetder means? I just hear means? Pastor Matt say it. It means hard head. Hard head? Hard headed. That's it. Yeah. We yeah. want to be hard headed about Jesus. Correct. Absolutely. Well, if you haven't watched the first episode of this two part series, please pause right now and go back and listen to the first one. It sets the stage and it's really, it's really compelling. And just for continuity's sake, we all put on the exact same clothes. Yes. You know, for part two. It has, it has been a great week here <laughs> in Homa. We all had a wonderful vacation. You preached a great sermon. I preached a great sermon. People I, were falling out in the aisles. The glory of the Lord descended. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately have to get in a van right now and head back to, to San Antonio. But we had a Actually, great Actually, probably great time. when people are going to be listening to this, you will already be back in San Antonio. Right. Yeah. Yes. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> if the Lord wills. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been great. We did wear the same outfits <laughs> just just for continuity's sake. Well, since I don't want to have to break us in the middle of the episode, I'll go ahead and promote. Please go and rate, subscribe, leave comments, Please. share this with your friends and uh, review it on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening to on right now. And all right. Now, we're so we're back. So we had uh, we listened to the first part of the story yeah. about um the, the death of your father mm-hmm. and uh, the church was uh, hanging in $1.2 million of debt. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, so for this episode, we're going to kind of wrap up that story and then look at how God kind of shaped you and yeah. shaped the church through um, this really difficult time. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I think we left off where you went back and spoke with the church yeah. and told them what had happened. Um, can you kind of pick up there for Yeah. Us? So, you know, the, the days and weeks that followed were just incredibly difficult. Uh, for us as we worked through uh, losing our pastor, me losing my dad, my best friend, who's in charge, who's leading. Um, We have this huge financial crisis that the leadership is working through that the church doesn't yet know about. And, And how do, what, what is going on? I mean, it just really felt like some big blows and just very disorienting. And um, we ended up going to the church with the the information about 30 days later after we had a handle on it and, and just up front, here's what's going on. And, and not only have we lost the pastor, but we also have this to work through. And so about 30 days later, the whole church is now going through this other thing too, uh, which was, was really tough. And so struggled a lot with my faith. Um, in in those days, because I I just couldn't understand how how this is happening. Because I had let a lot of bad theology come into infiltrate what I believed about God, and in my worldview and in, in my doctrinal scheme that we all have, we all have a, a a worldview, the way that we view the world, the way we view God. This was not this was not a possibility. 
what was happening was not possible with what I believed about God and who he was. And, and so I really had a crisis of, of faith. And I remember going with uh, a, a well-respected man of God about 10 days after my dad died and just sitting down with him and, and saying, I don't understand how this could happen. I don't understand how God could allow this. I believe that God is in control. I know that he's God. Um, but I don't understand why this is happening. And he, he, he looked at me at, at that lunch. He looked right across the table and he told me, if you and your dad and your elders were real men of faith, your dad would still be alive today. Wow, that is unreal. And I just sat there and, and listened to him talk about um, his, his view on, on theology and God and, and how we can basically, how, how, God, how, how God serves us and, and if we have enough faith, we can make God basically do whatever we want. Yeah, I think of like a thermometer. Like if we can get the thermometer, we yeah, have our we faith get it hot enough. Get enough people to believe hard. We believe hard enough. We can get it spill over the top. Then we get what we pray for, right? Yeah. And so I, I, I really respected this this man. He had he had been a, a mentor in my life, and I sat there and I listened and processed what he was saying, and I thought back. Okay, you know, it was only a few days earlier when my dad had died. Was I lacking in faith when I was praying? for my dad were we lacking in faith when we called the elders and surrounded him and i i had to come to the conclusion that no we 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 had faith we believed god but god chose something different than what we wanted are you having these type of conversations with your mom or with your brothers with everybody yeah, yeah with my mom with my brothers uh one of my dad's closest friends was is a pastor named Sam Walker. And he my dad had three really close friends, Sam Walker, Marcos Witt, and Mike Heron. And the day my dad died, they were all in my living room that night. They left wherever they were hours away and they all came and were there with our family. And those three men really uh just put their arms around our family, especially Sam. Like, he, And I still, to this day, he's my pastor. I, I Hours, hours on the phone with him, hours, um, almost every day, you know, just walking through this because I, I just, I couldn't process it. it. It just, this event couldn't make its way through my belief about God. And so at some point in, in that, the following months, I just, came to the realization, okay, I believe in God. I know he's real. I believe Jesus Christ is his son, the savior of the world. I know it because I'm filled with his spirit. He's changed me. He's saved me. I, I have that security, but I don't know anything else. Like I've believed some things about God that aren't true. And there's some truths about God that I don't, I haven't believed. Mm -hmm. And so I, I need to I need to learn more about God. And so in in the the following weeks and months, I just said, I'm I'm gonna blank slate everything I think I know and believe about God, and I'm gonna go to his word and I'm gonna read and I'm gonna study and I'm gonna build back a theology that can can handle 
what I'm going through because my theology can't. And what does the word of God say to this? And that process just, it was about a two-year process of, of working through um, really what the Word of God says about going through hard times. And as I opened my Bible, and, and now I have a whole new lens, I have a whole new frame of reference, I started seeing things in there that I'd never seen before. And I'd read the Bible before, you know, it's not like I didn't know the Bible. Been to Bible school. Yeah. But as I started reading, especially into the New Testament, it just says so much about suffering. Paul's suffering. Peter's suffering. The Thessalonians are suffering. Everybody is suffering for Christ. And all the letters are written in that context. Right, right. You know, First Peter is written to people who are suffering persecution. Hebrews is written to a group of people that are thinking about turning away from Christ, going back to the law, because the 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 Jews weren't being persecuted, but the Christians were. And so I, I just started highlighting and circling everywhere in my Bible because this is everywhere, yet I had never seen it before. Hmm. And the other thing that really just hit me like a ton of bricks is that God is sovereign. He he doesn't do what we say. We serve him. He he's the one who's in charge. He's the one who's in control of the events of our lives. And if he saw fit to have his son go and die, the suffering the greatest injustice that's ever been done, no, there is there never has been, nor will there ever be a greater act of injustice than us killing the son of God, perfect, sinless. But yet that was part of God's plan. If, if, if he can ask his son to endure that, and, and Jesus, to, to bring life and salvation to the world, has to go through suffering to do it. Why in the world do I think that my life is just going to be peachy and easy and rosy all the time? Mm-hmm. If the person who lived the best life, is what that's what they get? We live in a very fallen and a very broken world, and yet God uses those things and he uses those events and he used the cross to bring about the greatest healing and and the salvation of the world. And so those themes just began to I began to see them and 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 that God is after his own glory. And he, he's not after my happiness. That that's not that's not his his primary concern to to make me happy. But I had believed this theology of if if you do the right things, God is beholden to bless you, and we are the ones who get to determine what the definition of blessing is. We are the ones who get to write out, you know, the blank check, and God has to cash it because we did the right things. And follow follow the formula. Follow the follow steps. the formula. That the Bible it doesn't it stops being a revelation from God about who he is his character his nature his gospel it becomes a a formula that we follow to get the results that we want right and and those results are not God mm-hmm. right it's not i want more of God i want more of your plan i want I, I want to live my life for your glory no it's i want an easy life i want material possessions i want health and wealth and prosperity and all of those things and it's not that there's anything wrong with those things but if that's what I'm after, 
then I'm not serving God. There, there, It's idolatry yeah. in my life. And so God becomes not the end of all things, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. God becomes a means to an end of what I really want. Yeah, it reminds me, it seems to me, just thinking about this, that the intense trial that you walk through in your family, it opened your eyes to the emptiness of the man-centered, prosperity gospel, every day of Friday type message. Like yeah. it, it, it revealed the hollowness of it. Well, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I mean, it, it just didn't work. And it, do, it doesn't work in countries that don't have the wealth that we have here, right? Right. And certainly not. It's truly an American gospel. Right. False gospel, right? And and, but but we we're all going to go through events like this. We're all going to go through through pain and suffering in this life. Mm-hmm. If Jesus went through it, right? If Jesus went through it, how do we think that we're gonna we're gonna somehow escape it yeah. in, in in our lives? You know, I came away with this event with being able to to see how God is is sovereign. God is. Uh, after his own glory, God is committed to not making me happy, but making me holy. Mm-hmm. And if if and if suffering and and losing some things and the part of it help me to gain God, uh, then then in the end it, it shows that God is ultimately good. If if what I come away with is more of God, whatever I have to go through to 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 get more of God, in the end it's worth it. In the end. Um, it brings healing and wholeness to our lives because we get more of God. Yeah. So whatever we have to go through in that process of sanctification of, of God, even stripping idols down in our life so that we can have more of him, it's it's worth it. It's worth having to go through those those dark times. You know, David said, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Mm-hmm. So the idea that we're going to live a life that's not touched by that valley, it, it's it's a silly idea. It's a silly theology, but it's, People want that, and so we believe it, and I had believed that. And I really, I struggled with, even even in my dad's funeral service, his brother came back. He was a missionary in China. He came back to the service, and at my dad's service, he made a statement that was about the sovereignty of God, and I I chided against it. It, it rubbed me the wrong way. Now I embrace it completely because it lines up with the Word of God, and it's 100% true. But at the service, he stood up and he said, we don't understand what has happened. This doesn't make sense to any of us. If we had to choose what would have happened on on that day, 100% of us would have chosen something else. But he said, if we could know what God knows and see what God sees, we would choose what God has chosen. Hmm. And I sat back there and I said, no, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. I would not. Wow. And then then I get into the Word, and I get into, okay, the Word is going to be my standard. It's not what this preacher says or that preacher says or, or even what uh, my dad has taught me, which he taught me a lot of great things. And, and certainly so much of what he taught me is in the Word, and I've continued with it. But I said, no, what, what's in the Word is what I'm going to believe and everything else is is chaff. I'm just I'm done with it. And I just came to this point where God is sovereign, but that God is also good. God is good. And his plan is good. But we use our we we 
see and hear that God is good, but then we want to make him good according to our definition of good. Mm-hmm. And God is not good according to our flawed, imperfect, very narrow perspective definition of what we think good is in this Selfish situation. Perspective. Yeah, right. Yeah. For our good. Our right. definition of God being good is if we have a marriage that is perfect, we have kids that always obey, we have health, we have a great job, like our definition. Right. And no trials, no trials. No, no, no pain, no, no mm-hmm. suffering. Even though James 1 says, count it all joy when you face various trials of various kinds. But then he goes on to say that through those trials, God is perfecting you and he's making you more like his son. Historically, what we've seen is that the church throughout history has embraced their trials, embraced their suffering. The apostles, when they get beaten up in Acts chapter five, they leave, it says, rejoicing because they were able to, they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. There's just not that that's not on the bookshelves when you go into the Christian bookstore, if, if there are Christian bookstores anymore. But <laughs> even when there were the, the Amazon uh, bookstore, that's not the message that that yeah. sells. Yeah. Uh, the message that sells and make get you book deals and gets your name on TV is that this is how you can be healthy and wealthy and win use it, God to win get at it. life. Yeah. Be a winner. Mm-hmm. And by that standard. The apostles were losers. They're all martyred, penniless, poor, homeless. Jesus, the greatest loser, right? I mean, think about all of his potential and what he could have accomplished. And he lays it all down to go to the cross and die. You know, and so we have to, you know, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Jesus calls us to, to, to follow him, to lay down our life, to pick up our cross and follow him. And the idea that we're going to do it and never have any trials is not biblical. It's just not, it's not true. It's not real. It's, it's doesn't line up with reality. It doesn't line up with the word, but yet I, I had embraced a big part of that. And so my faith was made, it was, it was, I try, I still loved God and I still believed in his son, but I, I didn't know what else to believe after that. And thankfully the grace of God, by the grace of God, he put a desire in my heart to know him more and to dive into his word because there's so many people that go through challenges in life. Some not even as serious as the things that I've been through, some much more serious, but nevertheless, when they go through these things, instead of turning to God and turning to his word and turning to Christian fellowship and turning to pastors who can speak into their life, they just said, well, God didn't do what I wanted him to do. So I'm not going to serve him anymore. And uh, thankfully, the Lord kept me from that in his grace and his mercy towards me. Well, well, in midst what God has taken you through personally, what's been going on with the church this whole time? Right. Yeah. So uh, that was 10 years ago. Um, about $1.2 million. That's huge. God. God so, so there were so many times working through that process, again, where doors were closed things we were hoping would happen with banks and loans and all of this. We're talking like six month process, working through things, audits with banks and working with the IRS and all of this. We get through this whole long process and they just close the door and they say, no, we can't help you. Mm-hmm. And wow. it's just like, 
a gut punch. It's devastating. The church is devastated. And the church doesn't have a pastor right now. Or the, inter- interim, we, interim pastor. My father-in-law, Doug Pittman, stepped in for two years and 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 led through this time. Uh, again, the elders were were discerning the call of God on my life, and I was doing that too. And and we were all working together to try and understand what the future was supposed to look like long term. And but even in those closed doors, the things that were so devastating what we find is that actually God had a better plan. Hmm. Actually, God was doing something that was so much better for us as a church than if what we wanted to happen were to happen in that situation. And so um, six years after um, my dad passed away, working through this um, issue, uh, we became a debt-free church. Uh, We we paid it all back. We paid it all off. um, And God just worked through a lot of people in the church that really caught that vision to to give towards uh, paying that off. Uh, we had uh, a brother in the church that sold the business and tithed on that wow. sale of the business, and and that ended up knocking out a big part of it, the, the last remaining part. And uh, so God, God brought us through that um, in such a wonderful way to where six years to the day that my dad died, was a, it was a Sunday. So May the 6th, 2018 was another Sunday. And we were having a church picnic to celebrate that we were completely debt-free church Amazing. to the day. And so God just working in all of those little areas in those ways. So the church is, is doing good now. You know, we're, we're still debt-free. We're not, we're not taking on any more debt. And God is, is, he's given us a story to tell. He, he's, he helps us to know that Romans eight twenty eight that God is working all things together for the good of those who love Him, and who are called according to His purpose. And the good He's working towards is is His definition, not our definition. And that ultimately is good for us, because our definitions change. I mean, what we think is good one day, with more information. Oh, actually, I'm really glad that that didn't happen. And God sees it all from beginning to end. It's great. And so how long was it until you were installed pastor? Yeah, so it was it was a two-year process. And so um, two years after my dad passed away, I was installed as, as the pastor of the church. And so it's going on eight years now that I've been the the full, full-time lead pastor. Eight years of carrying the responsibility. Yeah, yeah. And God, through that, those two years, just meeting with the elders, meeting with the, the pastors outside, meeting with my father-in-law, uh, just brought a lot of clarity to what God was asking all of us to do, but it, it, it took, it took some time to get there. You know, it was a, it was a process to get there, but, but God is good in all of it. And so I would just say to those that are, are in the midst of those, those times that we have to hold, we just hold on to God. And even if we don't understand how he's going to work it all out, if, if we move towards him, and we hold on to him, we will see how he will work it uh, for good. And one of the things I appreciate about Matt and our, our friendship is knowing his story, knowing what he's walked through, seeing him persevere through that. Even though I wasn't his friend in 2012, I didn't know him, but just coming around in 2017 and hearing the story and just watching God's plan unfold in his life, my my respect level for him just continues to increase year after year, watching him be a godly man, faithful to God's word. Um, and, and he's somebody who encourages me, you know, and 
you know, it's pastoring is not always easy and you go through difficult um, seasons of pastoral ministry. And I'm, I'm always able to call Matt and I know that he has a context for walking through challenges and, and knowing that he walked through some even darker seasons and I still see him filled with faith. It reminds me when I walk through some things that aren't as difficult that uh, I can stay faithful, that I can stay the course. So, yeah, yeah it's powerful. Well, Pastor Matt Bell, if you could kind of summarize what the Lord has taught you um, in this trying time and trying season, well, what's something that you'd like to offer our listeners? Yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I would just say that God is faithful. He is, He, he pro- and He will prove Himself to be. But he's going to do it on in his way and in his terms, and we when we come to him, we surrender to that. You know, he's not just our savior; he's our Lord. But he's not he's not far away, off in heaven somewhere, detached. You know, he's the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. When Lazarus dies, he he goes to them, knowing full well he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He actually, it says, because he loved him, because he loved them, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, when he heard he was sick, he didn't go. He stayed back so that Lazarus could die, so that they could see him raise him from the dead and have their faith strengthened. And they didn't understand that when he, when he got there. So he, he gets there and they say, Lord, if you were here, our brother would still be alive today. Lord, if you would have done it my way, it would have been better, essentially what they're saying. But even in that, Jesus knowing full well what he's going to do, it says that he weeps. He weeps when he sees their sorrow. And so when we hear about God being sovereign, sometimes that can sound like he's just detached and he's like this masterful chess player and and we're just these pawns in his hand. But he's the God who comes in the flesh and who weeps with those who are brokenhearted. So he's not some just some detached spectator He's, he's there with us, and he promises to be with us through everything. And so he, he enters in even knowing he's still moved by the feelings that we have. And so when we're going through hard times, when we're going through trauma, and I've met with many people that have been through much, much worse than, than what I've ever been through or, or experienced, it's not that we just den- deny that those feelings are real or that that pain is real. Jesus didn't even do that. You know, Jesus says, oh, stop, stop worrying about it. I'm just going to raise him from the dead. No, he, he sees their pain and he understands that it's real and he embraces them in the middle of that. And so if, if there's people out there that are going through, through those things, you need to understand God is sovereign and God is good, but he's also with there. He's there with you. And you don't have to ignore the pain that you're feeling, somehow thinking that that pain is outside of uh, his plan or that if you have questions or that if, if you don't understand uh, how this all fits together, that you're somehow dishonoring God or, or, or not loving him the way that, or trusting him the way that you should, that he's big enough to handle our questions, but we need to go to him and not run away from him when those, when those times come. Because he, he, it's going to him that he, he does turn things around. He does work the miracle. He does bring healing to our hearts. And if we run from him, there's only more pain and brokenness and devastation in our future. 
So, it so was, to sum it up, that's yeah. that's what I've learned. Yeah, no, no. So it was your your changing view of who God is that really carried you through a situation that that um, that helped you and what uh, was growing in you in such a hard time. Uh, what would you say is one uh, major misconception of God that you had to give up? I, I had a low view of God. And what do you mean by that? Uh, he was he was. When I was in college, I had a Jesus is my homeboy t-shirt. And it's just kind of like, you know, he's, he's my buddy, buddy. And, and, and he's there. He's, he's my wingman. He, he's going to help me get through. He, he, he's, he's, he's there to help me with my life. And, oh no, I'm, I'm, I am his. Uh, he, he, I belong to him. And, and, my job is is to live out his life, the life of Christ. That's my job. It, it's not his job to help me live my life and fulfill all of my dreams. No, he he has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a vision, and I need to get about living living that out. That 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 is the best life that anybody could ever leave, live. Is to live out the plan and purpose that God has for us, not that that we submit our plan and purpose and, and tell him what to do. So that that was the major shift uh, for me, um, and that I could trust him, mm-hmm. right? So that I could surrender all of my dreams and all of my hopes and all of the you know wonderful things that I thought I wanted, mm-hmm. that I could lay all of that on the altar, and that he can be trusted with that, and he's faithful and he is good and he's a good dad and he he blesses us as his kids and. But it's on his terms and his time, the way that is going to produce the best fruit in us. And we need to trust him and he can be trusted when we don't understand what he's doing. Oh man, so good. Uh, what would you Thank say you. to- Thank you, thank you. Uh, what would you say to a listener who is questioning God's plan in their life? Maybe they're in suffering right now. Yeah, again, it's, it's just that, that he's the one that's right there with us in it. You know, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because you are with me. It's not that we don't have to go through those valleys, but it's that in that we don't have to be afraid because he's with us. He's the God who will never leave us or forsake us. And so those who are in those trials, it is, it's run, run to God, run to your shepherd, run to your savior, run to Christian community. Don't isolate. That's something that's really dangerous is to isolate. When, when we're isolated from our Christian community, um, the enemy just has a field day with us. And as a pastor, you've seen that with the people that you've. That I've you've seen in my own life. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, everything I think is not true, right? That that there's some things that I think that are not true. That other people can see and they can speak into my life. They can speak the truth to me in a way that that I cannot see. I'm blinded by my own perspective. Um, everything I feel isn't true. Sometimes I can feel things that aren't true. And so we need people in our lives who love us enough to tell us the truth. Even if we don't want to, even if we don't, it's not what we want to hear, but it's what we need to hear. And again, it's, it's not that we ignore the pain. We, we, as, as God's people, we weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice. And we need that Christian community desperately. We're not meant to be alone. Amen. 
Yeah. Outstanding pastor. Thank, Thank you. you so much Thank for you, coming Dom. and being with us. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Um, any closing comments? Pastor? No, I just thank you, Matt. Thank you for coming and sharing your testimony. I, um, since we started the podcast and thought about having a guest, you were one of the first ones I, I thought of. And whenever uh, you said you wanted to come to hang out and spend some time with our family, I was like, perfect. We're going to get Pastor Matt to come and share his story. Yeah. It's been a great blessing to be here. Mm-hmm. We love you guys. Love the church. And thanks for letting me preach last Sunday. It was a real joy. Hey, <laughs> man, it was a real joy. I haven't heard it yet. But I haven't either. You know, <laughs> but I'm sure it was great. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you for being with us. Uh, definitely check out our next episode, which will be coming at an appropriate time, whenever that is. Uh, but God bless and have, have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you would like to submit a potential question, a topic, or an idea for a future episode, or learn more about Living the Word podcast, you can visit us at livingwordhoma.com. We would like to say thanks to all of you who subscribed, shared episodes, and left reviews. Living the Word podcast is a production of Living Word Church in Homa, Louisiana, under the leadership of Pastor Ben Bufkin. Our prayer is that you will remain faithful to living the Word.